go. What do we say? You said podcast number two. Podcast series episode two, season one podcast. Getting started. We're trying to figure this out. So it's what we talked about before. And we had a good conversation last week, I thought. We learned a lot. And I'm trying to learn how to sit on camera for those anyone who's watching. Because if I don't sit right on camera, I look like a pumpkin <laughs> with a head. And I got some work to do no, on I'll that. I'll get orange on, maybe. Had, maybe if, so next time I'll wear orange. So next Halloween... I'll wear pumpkin. No, hopefully next Halloween I'll be more of a carrot. I could wear orange and I would look more. Okay. Can I? Is that something to shoot for? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, with an audience in the room, it's hard because in the background going. Carrot is not a good body shape. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So um, we've had this discussion about, right now it's about getting in the habit and um, having good conversations, and we have. And um, last week was kind of fun, I thought. And, you know, so... What are we going to talk about today? We had Judah come in and throw a couple of things at us, like, why is there hell? Don't want to do that. That's really like, you know, I was like, because there's children. Um, (laughs) Is that the wrong? We're doing an Ask Mom and Dad podcast, so maybe considering that hell is a result of children is not a good approach to the podcast. So what's been going on in your day? Anything interesting? Um, Yeah, lots of things, I guess. We just got back from a really long trip, a really good trip. Got to see our sons in the Navy. I guess if it's a, yeah, it's a parenting podcast, so we probably should talk about some of the cool things happening with our kids. I, we didn't even touch on this last week. It occurred to me when I listened to it. How many kids do you have, woman? I have birthed seven, raised from at least high school eight. <laughs> and who is the... And a bunch of other ones that are kind of on the fringes. Who is the guy that uh, is responsible for all that chaos? Oh, that would be me, right? God. Oh, God. Okay, I'll take that. I like God a whole lot better. I mean, <laughs> that means at least it was a good thing. You're in the midst somewhere, I think. <laughs> I'm in the middle. Yeah, I was involved. So we were asked um, what was our greatest fears, parenting fears, and like how do we handle them. Um, I thought that was an interesting question because I don't know that I had any um, that I would narrow down and say, wow, I was afraid of this or this or this, other than maybe actually birthing them, which God dispelled, and I didn't, wasn't afraid of that. That's, a, that's a reasonable story. Do, do we, we decided to um, home birth our kids, all but one of them was born in our home. Um, but tell me a little bit about that first home birth experience, because I vaguely remember <laughs> there was a lot of fear around that unknown ground we were about to cover mm-hmm. how did that how did that all work out well i was raised to kind of and mom if you're listening you know not in a bad way avoid doctors <laughs> because it wasn't we always saw it as if you're sick you go to the doctor but if you have some other ways to get well stay home as long as you can because only the really sick or the really you know emergency should go to um, the doctor because we believed that God was our ultimate healer first. So when I was introduced, so I was literally not wanting to birth in the hospital. And the hospital is also even further from that to me. A woman's natural ability to have a baby doesn't feel like a disease. It feels like a natural process that doesn't, doesn't require a worry of emergency on a normal basis. So I wasn't really wanting to do that, but I hadn't really thought about it before. But right before we, um, well, right after we found out we were pregnant, I think, I met a lady who was having a home birth, and I started talking to her. I didn't at first think the idea was even reasonable, except that, I, I mean, I knew my mother had was born at home. You know, way back in the day, it was kind of just the thing you did when you were too far out of 
town and there wasn't an emergency to worry about. So, um, didn't, didn't seem to think it was up to date. Like there was that going on these days. So when I found out there was, it was exciting, but it was also just foreign territory. So, um, I talked to this one midwife who had been, um, well, it, the lady that I talked to who had had the birth, she showed me some pictures of her birth, which, <laughs> you know, normally would have been eh, kind of exposed, That's kind of weird, whatever. What was her name? But it was sure. actually very comforting. I don't remember her name. <clears throat> I remember they had a um, It was an interesting experience going to their house the first time. I don't know why I vaguely remember that, but it was, it was, I, well, I, I do remember that. one thing about it because I think the midwife experience for me scared me more than it encouraged me because I saw some pretty crazy videos that first time out of, um, well, the midwife, when we met her, her name was Donna. Donna. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You're in the other story. I'm, my bad. Go ahead. I was just talking about the lady the who lady, had yeah. had the birth. My bad. But the midwife's name was Donna. She was a really sweet lady, and she had been um, a midwife. or No, she had been a uh, nurse, an RN, for an OBGYN in the hospital for 13 years. So she had helped deliver babies in the hospital for that long. And then past that had become a midwife to home you know, bringing babies on into the world at home for 13 other years. So 26 years of experience. I felt like at that point she really knew as much, if not more than most doctors <laughs> probably That's had fair. seen as much um, in the realms of, you know, the, the gamuts of the ways and things that happen um, during birth. So I started asking her a lot of questions. She said, just come ask me questions. I'm, I'm good with that. And even since then, I've, I've admired, or I've, I've admired, uh, advised a lot of people go and ask midwives questions because they're valuable questions even if you decide that's not for you they have a lot different of a response than most doctors do so anyway when we went and talked to her there was it was quite a bit I, every emergency I could think of everything I had been scared you know by other people saying oh don't do that this or that happened to me and this or that happened to me everything I could think of I took her and asked, what would you do in this situation? And she always had a very interesting other option approach that I, I would never have heard of and never would have thought these people had given, been given that option. So it was interesting to me. So I started um, praying toward that and came, you know, you and I prayed and talked to, talked to God, knew that those fears would be doubled or tripled by people who would doubt around us. And I was really bad about being swayed by people's doubts if I wasn't careful. So I asked God, just like when I decided to marry you, <laughs> to make it, it needed an act obvious God. to yeah. me that, that that was God's will. That's pretty much a daily question for you, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's just I need some assurance. So when, um, when I did start asking God that, there were several things, and I can't remember all the different things, but a couple of them stand out. One of them was that when we went to a, uh, wedding. I was about four months pregnant, I think. We went to a wedding in Missouri. Where we had a pretty bad accident, but God protected us and our baby. But um, I talked to a lady there who's who and her and her mother were both pregnant at the same time. Do you remember that? And she said, "Yeah, we're both going to have the same midwife, I think." And um, I vaguely remember that. It was again kind of people coming from nowhere telling me they were having home births, and I was like, "Goodness, you know, it's like seeing buying a red car, and all of a sudden every." car you see is red or this particular brand or whatever you never noticed before and all of a sudden they're everywhere that's what it felt like and so God was showing me different people and their um, experiences 
and they were all wonderful and beautiful. I hadn't heard a bad story yet of home birth. So it was securing some things in my heart and, and helping me know that, that was what God wanted. There was also, um, when we were at, at my job, we, we were not provided insurance. So you and I, you know, we're trying to figure out how we should pay for insurance, either at the hospital, which would be, we would actually literally have to pay insurance because we wouldn't be able to afford it. Or midwifery has a particular cash amount we thought we could raise, and then we'd be, you know, um, leaving the rest kind of up to God. And we had some small insurance. But anyway, the man that came into our office to sell insurance to the employees at this place I worked um, said, oh, my sister had a 10-pound baby and had an ambulance waiting and everything, and she did great, and nothing happened, and it was wonderful. And I'm so... I was like, again, stories out of the blue that would not have been, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody saying that their sister had a 10-pound baby and their <laughs> sister would agree with them that it was all perfect. Yeah, no, but it worked out really good and there was no emergency needed. And sure, that that sure. was the point. I, I, I get it. I just, I'm, yeah. but I'm a dude. I've got total dude points of view over here. Going. I just was, I was lucky I never passed out while giving birth. <laughs> but there were several things about herb, herbal medicines and different, strategies she had for if the baby was breached or if the baby there was different things like that that I was able to ask her every question I had and always there was another option or something they could do so midwives are good about looking ahead at what are possibilities of a threat or an emergency and they will give you um things to either thwart that or to board against it they might give you medications and I don't mean like medicines but most of the time vitamins or herbs or things like that there are treatments ahead of time to guard about things that, that could go wrong, but they were just really good about being an advocate for you, talking to you, giving, getting your, you personally, you feel, you feel a lot more like you're cared for as a person, not just as, you know, this, uh, you know, it's interesting because medication it's, I was, as, as generally, you know, we try, can never figure out what we want to talk about. And then we start talking and I've got 50 more topics just coming off of listening to you. One of them that came up was, uh, as you, you know, carefully, you know, apologize to anyone who might be, um, medically inclined. The, uh, <laughs> I don't, I think it's important. We're not saying that, that I don't know. You're not, that's why I'm saying yeah. it was like, we're not saying we don't believe in doctors. I do think, and I think it's a fair thing to consider that our culture has either been, um, I don't know what the word is programmed or, uh, mass marketed to or to become to depend upon uh, the medical community for things that are oftentimes quite natural. I mean, you go mm -hmm. into emergency rooms these days and they're full of people who have the common cold, but their first reaction is to go to the emergency room because they just don't feel good. Mm -hmm. um, and Which causes more problems a lot of times than actually helpful. And I think the doctors would agree that there's, they're not there for every little sniffle and whatever, but they are there to treat the ones that are not as easily you know, helped out by our own self. I mean, broken bones and stuff, there used to be, you know, that was unnecessary. You, you don't have the options to set your own bone or to repair your own skin sometimes. But um, I think what I'm saying is I'm in, even in the medical field. I've worked for dermatologists and I've worked um, in the pharmacy market and I think it's valid. I think there's a lot of people who have a lot less pain and are able to function because doctors are available to them but i don't like the way our society somewhat worships that healing art that healing direction whereas if 
if you live in Washington State like we do, there's a lot of options, and some of them aren't yeah, so great so, either. Yeah, <laughs> but what's the term? We I didn't even know the term crunchy until we moved up here, and we sound crunchy meaning kind of hippie, um, <laughs> you know, very naturalist and and holistic. As a, mm -hmm. Now we formalize those terms as a holistic medicine form and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And depending mm -hmm. on who you're talking to, depends on how they look at you sideways or, or encouraged. You're normal or you're weird normal. Um, well, I, there's I, a lot of options, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I really wanted. God to be in charge. I wanted to trust him. And I wanted him to show me the way, the, the, the path that he had set us on, not what everyone does or what not what everyone expects, but what would be best for us, for our baby, for our home. And that was one thing. And for me to set my heart at ease, this question was about fear. Well, my fear was actually of the hospital or of going in. And I learned later and, and through a sad way, but that there was, there's infections and things you can get from the hospital that are actually more dangerous to you and the baby than, than maybe in your own home environment. As long as everything is going the way it ought to, it's a very safe environment for a baby to be born into. So those well, were reassurances God sent me. It's a natural thing. And I think that's what I was trying to get at is we tend to take things. I mean, a cold is not, it's unfortunately, actually, that's, a cold's a natural thing. It's your body trying to dispel a, a, a worse illness or deal with, mm -hmm. you know, those a kinds virus. of things, a virus. So... It's it's a uh, it's it's a thing to consider that um, but but having a baby is even you know, I guess your body's trying to expel a baby um, but it, that was weird okay I'll just go with that so um, come here Rory I want to introduce everybody to my grandchild because she needs to be seen come here come here come here and say hi don't touch the microphone just come and say this is this is the one who when we asked earlier what do we want our um, our first podcast to be about um, what did you say it was supposed to be about do you remember. So Rory wants us to talk about pink. So um, what should we talk about pink? We'll take a minute and we'll just talk about pink. And then you can go be with your mommy for some for a minute. Who's your mommy? Who's your mommy? What's her name? Hannah. Hannah is her name. Hannah is know? her name. Yeah. Who is she to us? Who are we? Am I? Who am I to your mommy? Her mommy. I'm her mommy. That's, That's right. That's very good. How old are you, Rory? Three. That's you're right. You're three. And mm -hmm. why is it pink is important to talk about? Because I like pink. Because you like pink. What is your favorite pink thing? My pink. You're pink? Yeah, pink. You light like pink. pink. You're just sticking Anything with that. Light, light pink. Light pink, not dark pink. Or like really, really, That's I think dark pink would be in, red, wouldn't it? Do you have something in your bedroom that's pink that's your favorite? A pink oh. kitten? Kitchen. Kitchen. Oh, kitchen. Your grandfather kitchen. can't hear squat. I'm telling you what. <laughs> a pink kitchen. You're sitting on my lap, and I don't understand anything you're saying. So who am I to you? Um, who am I to you? To show your arms Papa, right? <laughs> yeah, your mom's trying to distract you with, with TV shows, so you'll leave the <laughs> podcast. But right now, I'm kind of enjoying this. So we'll take one second longer. Who am I to you? Right, and you're my grandkid, and you're my grandkid, and what do we exchange all the time? What do you give me, and I give you a grand what? A grand kiss. a girl. Give me a grand kiss. All right. We give grandma a grand kiss. All right. You go on out, and you see your mama. Okay.
I don't know if that's a terrible distraction. I guess that just proves we're really, really great grandparents. No, we're just great um, at grandparenting. We are not great grandparents. Great yet, not yes. even close to great grandparents. Not well, that that's yeah. such a hard thing. How can you just be? We're really good grandparents. <laughs> we are. Uh, no, I'm probably the worst <laughs> grandparent ever. I don't, um, anyway, back to the subject of fear, and let's take a few minutes more and talk about that. Um, well, what I was going to say was God sent me so many reassurances that He was directing us to do that. So I've, I've. This is kind of from the theme last week. The Last time we were talking about moving and, and being obedient because that's the undergirding, I believe, of security is obedience. When you know that you're being obedient, it, it's, a secure, uh, it's a secure feeling of God is with me. He's taking care of me. He's told me to do this. So just like he told Abraham to go and not know where he was going, there's still God's with me. So I'll go anywhere. I can be anywhere. I can do anything he calls me to and be because he's in the middle of it. So when I was in the middle of, of birth, which is not easy. I mean, women out there have lots of experiences, but they all know it causes some pain. It causes some excruciating psychological, I can, you know, make it through this. And it, at times you're thinking death might be better. And then the other times you're thinking, no, we can, you know. Again, this, this is, is an experience <laughs> I can only relate to from the yep, point of nope. not passing okay. out for different reasons entirely. Um, but but in the middle, I remember calling Jesus' name, and I remember having a lot of peace in the middle, like I said, of knowing I just had to get through this. Like uh, Mike Sear used to say, walking across the desert, you know, you just, you just got to get there. And in the middle... You know, you gotta have, you gotta have enough water. You gotta have these things or whatever. But you, you know, you can do it if you. Can, I think if you can see the end. I don't know. It was just um, uh, reassuring to me that that God was there. He was directing us. We were being obedient to Him. That itself was more security to me than doctors around who could answer every question or, um, in a heartbeat, help the emergency. I just knew God was the safer zone. And I, I believe that in everything, but I think maybe medical issues is one of the more controversial for Christians because it's a struggle. It's a hard thing. Who are we trusting? We've been told this is the right direction, but who are we told that by? There's a story in the Bible, and I think it's King Asa who was rebuked by God, and he said, you, you're going to, this is how long you're going to live. I have to look that story up because you consulted the physicians and not me. And it was very, com um, um, Hezekiah really was a different yeah, angle, different I think, this yeah. was Asa. But it was just a, a very convicting to me that in our society and even uh, in Christian circles, we tend to ask physicians first because we think that's just what you do. And, and just to be clear, we are not saying physicians are wrong, just not priority. And, and that's, and, and what I yeah, mean... Yeah, I don't feel like I've said that at all. No, I know In you're fact, not saying I, that. I'm being, I'm being I sassy. I believe that... But the, the thing that I think is important... I believe they're there for when God has provided them. And that's especially... I, I think it goes back to the fact the that right we're thing. quick to jump... We, being culturally, Americans are right. quick to lean on everything but... I think, well, it's a human problem. I think that we're quick to lean on everything but God. And there are some things that are just very natural to where you don't need to start with the all of the trappings that, you know, we're, we, I don't know how to, we've ginned up fear in our culture. If you don't have a trained professional who is there, who knows everything that could possibly go wrong, and even knows how to numb and take away the pain 
of certain of of suffering or difficulty, um, then you know then the worst. If the worst can happen, the worst will happen. Therefore, mm. be ready for the worst to happen because it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and I well, think well, and that, that's another part of it. We in our society are very bad about wanting to avoid pain at any at any angle or at any uh, depth. And pain teaches us. Pain draws us near to God. It, it causes us to be weak. So therefore, we have to cry out to God. He has to be our strength. So some of that, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think we're talked into fear. And fear itself is, is again, another of, it can be a tool that God uses to draw us to him. It also can be a very um, evil that causes us to hole up in defense. So there's something about trusting him in all those settings that, um, yeah, that just is something that is challenging to me for a Christian to think about who are we trusting. Well, and... Okay, so let's talk about fear beyond childbirth because we've been on that for the first portion of this conversation. And and um, a lot of the fears that young parents deal with and that we dealt with, it's kind of the running story is, you know, with the first kid, you would boil the pacifier. <laughs> with the second kid, you wipe the pacifier off in your shirt. With the third kid, you just give the kid back the pacifier or tell him to pick it up. <laughs> right. You know. I, Count I, five. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe you get to the fifth kid. I don't know. How many kids do we have again? Oh, yeah, seven. Um the uh, with the seventh kid, you wonder where they are most of the time. Um, the, uh, the what about um, extrapolating that out? I was talking with somebody the other week, and I can't remember where about that idea that you know we're afraid for maybe one of our own children, but uh, th that I think that. The problem, you know, when you get to that down the road, your baby child, you know, everyone kind of complains sometimes, well, you didn't, you weren't as strict with them or mm -hmm. you're not as, and I think my, my observation of that and test me if I'm wrong or correct me if I'm wrong was I think that what happens is as we get older and as we have more children and as a parent has more children, some of those fears that you have when you have that first one, you kind of figure out what's important and what's not, um, you know, and there's probably some things we let them slide for, or, and there also could be the fact that. We just really don't. Uh, Did you get lazier? I don't know if it's lazy. Because I, I don't think it's lazy. I think that there's. No, I, I agree with you. Some things are worth, quote, worrying about, and other things really aren't. And I, that's not right because the Bible says not to worry at all. But I think as parents, you choose. And as you get older, you, you learn that those things really weren't that worth, quote, worrying about. Well, but there are times where God has to focus you on a couple of issues you know when you're when they're early, when they're young you think of all the different uh things that could threaten them or you might even think of all the different opportunities you want them to have and all these things weigh heavy on a mom's mind at least on what am I going to miss or what am I going to do wrong or what am I going to going to do you know angle them toward that's going to be valuable to them that's why homeschooling was so important to us because we decided that those were some ways we could avoid a few things and yet kind of steer them the direction we felt um, convicted by. <laughs> All but of our values are coming out. Was, yeah, we'll birth, talk about that later. And... Well, the, <laughs> the thing though, that I important. feel like God helps us learn is what is our true responsibility. And in reality, none of it's in our hands. Like we were just saying about doctors. They know some things. They don't know near as much as God does. He created our bodies. No, and that's a so they, God, they have the knowledge that God has revealed to them.
which is why I said they are appropriate for when God wants to use them. But there are other methods that he uses sometimes to heal us. And then the same is true with parents. He uses us to steer our kids, but they're his kids. So one of the things that's helped with fear for me is that um, I, when I come down and I have a real ang anxious fear about whatever it might be, um, that one of them might not come home or one might, you know, have an accident or something. I literally, um, I think God's given me a tool of remembering that he loves them more than I do. Mm. So therefore, whatever they face, he fa they face with him. So therefore, those things that I can't guard them from, he can, but he also walks them through. And sometimes those are things that I may want to shield them from, but he knows it's better for them. So that kind of, I think, released my, <laughs> or, or caused me to release that fear into his hands. I laugh because it, the, the, the reason I chuckled is because the fear that we deal with in life is, um, no matter what you do, some nightmare, not all nightmares, but some nightmare will come to fruit. We've had seven kids and in one form or another, Someone has um, managed to fulfill one of our somewhat nightmarish scenarios. You know, everything you want for them isn't isn't um, completely uh, lived Perfect out. Or, yeah, yeah they, they 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 have this this frustrating knack of making their own decisions, mm -hmm. um, and uh, whether we like it or not, <laughs> and uh, whether they're wise or not. But then again, so did we, and I think that's part of. You know, the, the whole thing with the parenting when we first, what are our greatest fears? I don't, um, you know, it's funny how when parent, when people, when a, adults become parents, how their worldview changes and suddenly there's a bit of paranoia that because now they realize a lot of the decisions that they've maybe made, they don't want that to happen to their kid or they want them, to, we don't want our children to suffer where we've suffered. <laughs> um, and in my world, I made a lot of dumb decisions as a teenager, um, as, a, as well. A lot of people made a lot of dumb decisions. I probably made more dumb decisions than you did as a teenager. And I'm not going to, you know, you you can throw yourself under your own buses. I'll throw myself under mine. Because um, when I look at your teenage life, I'm going, wow, my wife really, she lived for purpose. But when I was a teenager, I didn't live on purpose. I made a lot of poor decisions. And You're a um, guy. <laughs> I'm a guy. Sure. Could be a dude thing. I don't know. I've got a few daughters and I watched them make some decisions that were kind of guy-like at times. Um as we get older and they voluntarily tell us some of the things we really never really wanted to know. Um, but we're, we're figuring that out. But there's, I'm not sure where I'm going with this question, but there's, cause it's fascinating well, honestly to sit here and listen to you talk about how you cope with these things. You tend towards some of the more fear. You have the fear that they'll choose what you chose and therefore have to learn what you learned. And I, and I agree with that. I'm, me too. I, have some higher expectations, maybe because of some things I was guarded against, but also the things I know are available to them. These days even, worse than when we were as kids, I think, and some of the environments they've had to be in as pastor's kids has put a lot of stress and pressure on them, and I know that's true. So I just prayed for them that God would give them um, a, a bigger worldview, that they could see themselves as a part of his whole plan, so that these tinier smaller decisions that are weightier at times and make you know steer them wrong um that they can back up and say yeah i don't want to do that again because here's a bigger picture here's more people that are influenced or more people that are that i need to think about and 
one thing with a big family is they have to think about their own siblings and how they're affected. They do, the and I, I will say that one of the things that I think has been one of the most um, joyful, if not entertaining, aspects of having a large family is watching older siblings kind of become hovering helicopter parents of their younger siblings. <laughs> um, and uh, we don't always see how they uh, parent one another. As a matter of fact, some research shows that and that uh, siblings have more impact on the social well-being yeah. and psychological well-being of their of each other than parents do on the kids. So, of course, Sounds we like, punished oh. our children much more severely than <laughs> yeah. so that they would stop treating each other like jerks. Just, so just keep having children because apparently that's the better plan. <laughs> that's the better plan. Yeah. Well, I mean, because of something about confidence and um, feeling secure about themselves, they get it from their siblings more than they do from absolutely. parents. Absolutely. Which is I mean, you know, you're, scary to think about. You're choking up as you consider, you know, we have no control. And I, and I think that's a really important mm -hmm. thing because I think how do you overcome fear if you want to wrap that up? realize you've got no control yeah um True. but as but as you as you just and i just went and saw our second son <laughs> move into adulthood and going and through the uh, pass and review ceremonies in chicago this last week is he and his brother mm -hmm. navied up you know while well, his brother's been in the navy for nine years a, we, a long years. time <laughs> um i feel old um but we could remember being there eight years ago um, no, he said nine years ago, so I'm just going to go with how old he thinks he is. It's a little um, over eight, I think. A little right. over eight, coming up on nine. Anyway, um, you know, as we watch that, you know, we realize our kids are going into, you know, warfare scenarios, possibly. And, and Noah has aspirations to be in um, more endangered situations than Josiah, yeah. who thought the most dangerous thing he could do is run a network cable. <laughs> um, and uh, To be honest, though, super glad they chose the Navy, because that would have been a fear, had it been yeah. more of a... Um, I don't know, front lines. We love you, Marines, <laughs> but, and we're thankful for what you do, but we're glad our kids didn't choose to be Marines. <laughs> my uh, dad was uh, in the Navy. and My dad was a Marine. And so. your dad was a Marine, yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we, that's my uncle was also a Navy, and he chose some pretty hard lines. So I know that's options for them out there, which is fine. I think I've always said that I'd rather them be put in harm's way for a noble purpose and for something that God had called them to do. I would feel more... Um, uh, the word peace, I guess, in giving them up in that kind of situation. If I knew God, you know, had called them to that and that's what they give their life for, then I think it would be to see them kind of wasting away and, you know, accidents that happen all the time around it, it would feel less, um, uh, would feel more of a challenge to, to grieve that. And so I feel for parents who, who have to see that in their lives, but I am thankful for. God's calling our kids young at young ages and giving them some purpose, even at these, um, you know, kind of, or well, anyway, at the younger ages they are feeling like they've got some purpose. It, it, it's reassuring to a parent, I guess. I'm kind of well, when they're, I mean, we've got kids all over the spectrum, and as our youngest one is soon to be fourteen and 15. For, soon to be nine hundred and seven. Um, or he's fifteen. He's fifteen. It'll be 15 oh, April. Geez. Elijah, stop getting old. Um, <laughs> and and he's my involuntary engineer. He's actually pretty good at this. Um, but as as they get older, you know, we're not dealing with some of the same fears that we have with toddlers. Now we get the joy of watching our other kids, you know, mm -hmm. having grandchildren barge into podcasts. I remember my mother dealing with that when we would bring our kids to her house. And I think she was more afraid that something would go wrong at her house. And a couple times it did than it was when... We were little. I think she's 
So that's already happened to us. Rory lost her two front teeth. But <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> girl. But those are, it, it truly is the thing of parents to teach trust in God. And so I, I pray that that's what we have done, even as the fears. I, I don't, like I said, starting with, I didn't have a lot of fear that I probably could have pinpointed. I was young enough and naive enough maybe and secure enough in Jesus just to kind of go through life and whatever, take what comes. But <laughs> looking back, I really pray that's what I taught is that you can't know. Like you said, nothing's in your control. You can't know what's coming up. To be worried about it is worse. So take everything that comes knowing that God's walking with you and being as obedient to him as you can hear him and follow him to be, that's the security you walk in. That's all you have. Well, and, and there's no way, you know, I, when we started doing this podcast eons ago, like seven days ago, um, I, I was thinking, you know, how do we, how do we do this? And, you know, and our kids were, are the ones who encouraged us, you know, who's you know, the mother, particularly the mother of the one who barged in a minute ago. Um, there's, there is no way for us to, I, I was thinking, how do you separate out like the components of just being good parents from a spiritual life? And there really isn't a way. I, I've, I, you know, I mean, for us anyway, we can't do that because why aren't we afraid? Well, do, are we afraid that something could happen to our children and we would lose them? Absolutely. Would oh, yeah, we grieve sure. that? Thought Absolutely. of it chokes me up. Would we... Um, and what you just said, even for the most moral purpose in the world, the idea of two uniformed people coming to my front door yeah. is terrifying. Know. You know, um, but and I have to say, there are a lot of parents out there that I admire who I feel like have done a ton better with some things in certain areas, much better than I would have ever thought because they did think through it and they, they had planned out maybe a little bit more of what they wanted to be as a parent. I didn't, honestly. And because of that, I'm probably in a lot worse shape in some ways. But I do believe that a lot of life, and I think when, you're, when you understand a relationship with Jesus, you know that life comes back down to what is the bottom line? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? And if you know and trust that Jesus is that purpose, then that's your goal. Yeah, and it and, shapes everything else. And that's Yeah, it really goes back to what we talked about fear of moving last week. Yeah. You know, what's it like to go somewhere? Because, because for us... Um, our spiritual life in a broader sense, but specifically Christ and the promises of who Jesus is for us is um, a defeater of death. Even though it would be a terrible thing to lose a child, our hope is that this life isn't confined to the skin we're wearing. Right. Um, and one of the things we're going to be talking about this him. weekend um, with a seminar we're doing is uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He talks about all things, but as Maslow aged, um, he came to understand transcendence. And the idea being that we transcend and understand that we're more than this flesh that we live in. And he turns that um, self-transcendence into a conversation about how do we impact the larger community and a spiritual realm. He's not specific about it, but it's interesting to me that someone who did just the study of human psychology and then winds up as they continue to study, seeing the nature of um, us as social beings and as spiritual beings, mm -hmm. is the, as he would as he refers to it as the highest um, uh, order of fulfilled humanity, being human, um, is is amazing to stop and think about that. So, um, yeah, our hope being that 
we have passed on the idea that this life is not what it's about, that it's we, about eternity. And, there's something bigger than and this. Going. And for us, Jesus has convinced us that he is who he says he is. And so for us, if whether it's moving to another state or raising a child, um, yeah, we were we, we boiled the pacifier the first time around and we did those kinds of funny things. And I'm not sure if I did, actually. Do you remember that? We washed it off in hot water <laughs> the first time around. <laughs> And I might have wiped it on my jeans the first time around. <laughs> Josiah's a little quirky. He could have some disease in the brain we're not familiar with. Um, but uh, but we, and we, so we dealt with human fears. That Nothing changes right. about that. It's just that in the midst of that, our, our capacity to cope with difficulty as it comes our way is greater because we have the belief that when Jesus said, you know, in this world you will have many troubles, but be of good cheer, be hopeful. Mm -hmm. Take heart. Because, take heart, be hopeful, because I've overcome the world. That's, that's, that, I mean, people call, would say that, my, some people might say that's a crutch, but that's not, that's so much richer than <laughs> something to lean on. It's something in which we know. rest in. No, it's not a crutch, in. it's a stretcher. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something we completely rest in, everything that we are resting. So a lot of our um, practical things, our, our, our parenting, practical parenting comes back to us to realize we are not sufficient for the task. We, um, I've often commented, I'm a terrible parent in lots of ways. I've been miserable at it. There's so many things I regret and wish I did differently. Yeah. My biggest fear is that those regrets will last a lot more. Um, we haven't talked about my fears. My biggest fears is that my legacy will be my faults rather than my strengths. Mm. And um, I really, really yeah, pray that, that that's not the case. My biggest hope, and I think for us as parents, we were less concerned about the, you know, tie your shoe right, make your bed right, whoever made their bed, um, put on pajamas Jamas. and not jeans. <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> I think my boys slept in their clothes for some of them still. still yeah. Um, or even I'm have sheets on your bed. <laughs> I'm trying to think about this. Did they ever put oh, sheets on? We weren't too concerned about some of that, which now Jordan Peterson teaches us. It's important to make our beds which, and, um, and because it teaches responsibility. So hopefully the responsibility we taught them. Um, well, I was going to put in there. I think it's important to, you know, you can read books giving you practical helps and stuff. Because I think a couple of times we really did um, ha get some practical help. Some of a few seminars we went to or homeschool conventions or other parents, other families that you admire, learn from them. Those are great resources. But I think, again, ultimately you're never going to know exactly perfectly the answer all the time but to trust that god knows your heart there's a scripture that um one of my homeschool friends gave me one point and it was uh from isaiah i would have to look it up about knowing that god sees your children and he leads them and that reassured me that he's their teacher anyway i'm just a tool i'm i'm a helper on this in this world to bring up his children you know to to be there to do the best I can to remember what I was taught and do the best I can to set an example. So the rest of that is all on his shoulders. And as long as I can remember that, I can rest, I can lay back on that stretcher and believe that God's leading all of us, you know, together and not, not be as afraid maybe as some out there might be. Not taking it on either because a lot of people take too much of it on, I think, on, them, on themselves. That's tough. That burden. That's mm -hmm. tough. Uh, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, I, uh, my biggest fear as a parent for my own children is that they don't try to take on and, you know, I think be, be the God in their own family and, and have that much fun. It, that's, that's a huge release of the fears. 
is I know that no matter what we do, God's grace is sufficient. And I think even for us, we, we tried, to, I was going to say, we have, we focused on a, a larger principle, a guiding principle that, that we wanted our children to trust us and to know that we were there for them. And this is as they got older, you know, because when they're little, it's just do what you're told, you know. Yeah, I don't know that I wanted them to, I wanted them to trust that I'm somebody worth trusting, but I don't. I don't think that's true either. <laughs> I'm trying to think I don't, how to I don't mean that. trust us in the sense that we're trust that our everything that we say we're is gold. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> I mean that we're that that the, that we the greatest God, it, the thing can... to me has always been that I am faithful to my, I want to be a faithful friend, which means I want to be a faithful father, I want to be a faithful husband, I want to be a faithful um, worker. You know, I want to I want to be the kind of person that someone knows that when they need. Um, me, I will be there for them unless it's lifting more than a thousand pounds, um, <laughs> or running or 50 a pounds. Of miles or um, no, <laughs> right. no, I, I, I mean, it's, I mean, in a, in a social, spiritual, you know, I want people mm -hmm. to know that I'm there for them. Um, and I want our children to know that. And so for me, if we raise kids that don't, they need to leave home, but they, <laughs> that don't, um, that, that know and, and it's been interesting because all of our kids, not all of them have, but all, maybe all of them have kind of had a moment where they just kind of veered off and said, we're going to do our own thing. You know, like kids do kind of like the three-year-old that says, I've got a time on you. Don't you touch it or that too, mm. whatever it is. Terrible twos, right? Um, teenagers do the same thing. And sometimes young adults, I'm going to go do my own thing. But we wanted to be faithful to say that when you prodigal, when you go off, that you come home and that you know that we're going to be here. And that when they come back, they don't come back thinking that they've got to beg to be a slave. Yeah. That they come back thinking that they you know, won't be condemned. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. So we've always wanted to extend that that uh, model for them. Hopefully, so my fear is that all the wrong legacies will be passed on. If that gets transferred to my children, then um, it's it's worth everything. You know, if if five generations from now, there's the flaws are going to go with us. It's <laughs> you know we can't help it, um, but. But if they're they're known and the Sawyer clan is known to be faithful friends, if they're known to be fierce defenders of truth, if they're known, should I do another F in there? If they're known, to, uh, <laughs> it's like I got two. Um, the other one would probably be inappropriate, so we won't go there. Um, I'm not now. Now I've left out so many opportunities. People think of inappropriate words that start with F, which is not a good place good. to be. Like love, um, yeah. Faithful love is which I, I need another F now. I'm you just said not going to faithful gonna, friend up front. Faithful so. friend. Fierce. So we'll just ignore the rest of this and go from there. We're going to wrap this full, up now. Full of love. Full of love. Um, so, yeah. Um, you're full of love. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you're amazing. I, and I, I, I wanted, I'm just saying that not because of the, but, but this is cool for me, <laughs> even if it's forced um, sometimes because we don't feel like doing it. I, I really want us to be. <laughs> we are a little tired from the trip. We're on Chicago time right now and we're in the West Coast. But um, it was really great. But as we wrap this up, we want to tell those of you who might be listening slash viewing um, that this episode has been brought to you by the color pink, <laughs> which is paying us nothing for this free out, outbound. Um, however, if you do want to participate in helping us do this, you can go to illuminateolympia.org, um, which is our church website, and uh, you can donate there. Um, to help us do this, it's my. It's you can give um, questions to. And, and also, you can. Um, it's Greg at illuminateolympia.org. But you know what? It's also Tanya's seven. Is it just Tanya's at Sawyer Clan? Tanya's seven. Tanya's seven. T O N Y A S seven, <laughs> as in the number seven. 
at sawyerclan.org. So, um, so this episode is brought to you by the color pink and the number seven. Oh, and the number okay. seven. <laughs> and the word fear. On Harbor View, uh, not street. <laughs> Harbor View Street Beer? No, and the word fear. Ooh. The word fear. Yeah, faithful. That's better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah, there's, this has been fun. Thank you for um, sitting down with me again, Tanya. I feel like I'm the interviewer and in asking you all these questions. because you okay. have, Well, you've got so much more everything. Wisdom. You mean that oh, I don't get to say? That you don't. You, you never get to talk. <laughs> and you've said so much of your time, if I only ever had a forum. So here's your forum. I'll be a faithful interviewer. And happy anniversary, because the next time we've done this, we will have lived for, you will have survived one more year of marriage <laughs> as a faithful wife okay, through the fear you know. of being married to Never mind. a Stop. fouled Stop. up How many years? Friend. 31. Yeah, we'll celebrate. Okay, so somebody said we'll have finished up 30 years, right? We'll start our 31st year. We're, Is that okay. what it is when you know. say 31? No. Are we no, starting? Well, we'll have finished up 31 years. That's what I thought. So, so, be, so 30, we were wrong. We'll be starting 32, him. right? Well, we start, this is starting yeah. our 32. Yeah, but you can't say 32. You got to say 31. It's 31. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Which means that we are obviously about 29 years old. And that's, no, not true. <laughs> Josiah. All right, I mean, with that being said, you? thank you very much. Have a good night. <laughs> we're done. Josiah. Thank you for listening. Yes, I did. I took lots of notes.